Good evening. My name is Deb Cometti, and I'll be your moderator for this class. Welcome to another lecture presented by the Syracuse New York class. <clears throat> this is a school and not a church, and neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year 1958. We hold classes in the United States and certain other foreign countries. The Syracuse branch was established in 1969. The president, I'm sorry, the dean of our Syracuse branch is Dr. Patrick Trevison. Our president is Dr. Robert Welch and our vice president is Dr. John Cometti. In this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The true title. alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by this letter J. Neither was there a J in the English language until some 1400 years after the Messiah's death. Therefore, such names as Jesus and Jehovah are impossible renderings of the true and original name of our Father and His Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He's the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds of everything. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself, because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have drawn the cloud all around the edges of the chart. And everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in this pure spirit state, he took on shape and he took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form could only be seen in divine 
visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifested himself in a physical body and walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is what was the name of the Savior during the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It is called the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses atop of Mount Sinai and showed him the tabernacle pattern in a vision. Yahweh instructed Moses to build one exactly as he had seen it, in exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. The pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up this one tabernacle pattern. Also in this school, in this school we show proof that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of this threefold tabernacle pattern. And absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The primary constitutional objectives and aims of the Institute are as follows. One is to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religions, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Five is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Six is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And ten is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is to speak the truth. Tonight we'll have a prayer by Dr. Scott Miller to dedicate our class. That will be followed by our scripture reading which is Genesis the 10th chapter verses 6 through 20. And that will be read by Dr. Scott Miller, and uh, I will be the second scripture reader for the class. Double duty. You want to call me? You want to call the speakers? Mm hmm.
take a moment and bow our hearts and minds to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, through His Son, Yahshua, and ask that He allows us to focus on tonight's lecture and get the cares of the world out of our minds, because we know how easy it is to not focus on class sometimes, and that He allows us to internalize what's being said and just gives us another piece of that puzzle that we're so earnestly desiring to know or whatever question we had that a little piece gets answered tonight and that we go out into the world and manifest his love and and glorify his great name and with that let's say hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, tonight's scripture will be read out of the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically comparing with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Trina of the Scripture Research Association. Genesis, the 10th chapter, verses 6 through 20. And the sons of Ham, Cush, and Mizram, Put, and Canaan, and the sons of Cush, Seba, and Havilah, and Sabta, and Ramah, and Septeca, and the sons of Ramas, Seba, and Dedan, and Cush begat Nimrod, he began to be a mighty hunter, mighty one in the earth. He was a mighty hunter opposing Yahweh, wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter opposing Yahweh. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalna, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land he went to Assyria and builded Nineveh in the city streets in Kala, and resin between Nineveh and Kala, the same is a great city. And Mizraim begat Ludim and Anamim and Lahabim and Nephtu.
another kingdom of brass, which was Alexander the Great. It says here, Grecia, which is Greece, which is Hellenistic, which was Alexander the Great. The Macedonian kingdom, or the Greek kingdom, which bore Uh, rule over all the earth, just like he said there. They went all the way into India, all the way into Afghanistan, all the way into Egypt. I mean, they did incredible, incredible things that no army's been able to do since. How long did we last in Afghanistan? Twenty years. Twenty years, and look at the men we lost, and look at the money we lost, and look at the armor and everything we ended up leaving there. Right. Alexander the Great conquered the country without any tanks or any of that stuff. <laughs> That's why they still teach his tactics at West Point today. Read. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron. Now the fourth kingdom, which is Rome, will be strong as iron. We're not going to get into the clay, into this and that, and all that stuff. Just, just understand that there's two legs. One represents pagan Rome. One represents papal Rome, and one would be strong, and one would be weak. Part of iron, part of clay, it reads in there, okay? In other words, the pagan was weak in that it only lasted till 476 AD, and then it was conquered, and then papal Rome took over, and they're still in they're still in action tonight. They're still making money tonight. Mm -hmm. They're still in power tonight. Still going on. And in the Middle Ages, they had a lot more. What they have now is the papal states. Okay, it's just the Vatican state. It's a tiny little state inside Rome.
barely 100% accurate. Go ahead and read, Peg. Or, um, uh, Deb, I mean, John, I mean, <laughs> Scott. And Cush. <laughs> and Cush beget Nimrod. And now, here we go. Cush beget Nimrod. So Nimrod came from the loins of Cush. He comes from darkness. He comes from from he comes forth from darkness. And because Ham uncovered his father's nakedness up here, it wasn't Ham that was cursed. It was Canaan. We can get it in the book. It said it says, "Cursed be Canaan." Let's get it. If anybody could uh, pick that up quick. Oh, it's a 25. Uh, Genesis 9 and 25. Genesis 9 and 25. Very good. Pick it up in 24. And Noah woke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. Yeah, yeah he, um, he had too much wine. I could pick it up at 20 if you wanted to read the little story. You <laughs> pretty much said that he uncovered his nakedness. That's well, go ahead. Go ahead. All right, I'll pick it up. 9 and 20. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine, and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. Yep. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father, and told his two brethren without. And Shem and Japheth took a garment, and laid it upon both their shoulders, and went backward, and covered the nakedness of their father. So they covered his nakedness. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ham showed them his nakedness, but they covered his nakedness. Read. And their faces were backward, and they saw not their father's nakedness. Hmm. And Noah awoke from his wine, and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan. Now he said, Cursed be who? Canaan. Canaan. Cursed be Canaan. Now this is important. So now go back to the scripture reading and continue reading when, where you left off. And we're in verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. He was a So mighty. Nimrod was a mighty one in the earth. And you picked it up in the in the, the, ninth. the Bible you were reading up here. The sacred name, right? Picked up what? That it said he was opposed to Yahweh. Yes. Yep. In that, yes. in the holy name. Yeah. Yes. That's good. Right here. Uh, yeah, hunter yep. opposed, opposing Yahweh. He was opposing Yahweh. He was a mighty hunter opposing Yahweh. Nimrod was opposing. Yahweh. You see, Nimrod comes 
forth from this lineage. He's coming from that lineage. And he's cursed. And he opposes Yahweh Elohim. He is an adversary to Yahweh Elohim. Read. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter, before Yahweh. The mighty hunter opposing Yahweh Elohim. Right, even as Nimrod, read it. He was a mighty hunter opposing Yahweh. Wherefore it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter, opposing Yahweh. Opposing Yahweh. Read. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. No. Now, the beginning of his kingdom, and there it is right here. There's a reason why all these things are on this chart. There's the Tower of Babel. And it, look, you see it's got a cloud up here. Clouds signifying that they built this thing to reach up unto what? Heaven. They wanted to get up to heaven. That's, that's Satan wanting to get above the Most High. You understand? And here it says Nimrod. And it says Tower of Babel. The beginning of his kingdom, and here it is, it's lining right up with this head of gold, was Babel. That's the beginning of his kingdom. That's the beginning of his kingdom. Read. In the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kelna, in the land of Shinar. Out of that land went forth Ashur and builded Nineveh. And he built Nineveh. In the city of Rehoboth and Kala. You understand? They built Nineveh. The same ones. They built Nineveh. Which later on in history is going to, you're going to read all about it when you read the story of Jonah. You're going to read all about Nineveh. And those people are in captivity up there in Nineveh. Read. And resin between Nineveh and Kala, the same as a great city. And Mizraim begat Ludim and Anamon and Laabim and Naphtuhim and Pathruzim and Kelzim, out of whom came Philistim. That's the Philistines. Philistines. That's the Philistines nations. Okay? See, some of these you can recognize. Some of them, I don't know who they are. You know? I mean, I just don't know who they are. But go ahead and read. And Canaan begat Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusite, and the Amorite. And the Jebusite, and the Amorite, and the Gergesite, and the Gergesite, and the Hivite, and the Hivite, and the Archite, and the Archite, and the Sinite, Sinite, 
and the Arvidite, Arvidite, and the Zemurite, Zemurite, and the Hamathite, Hamathite, and afterward were the families of the Canaanites spread abroad. And these were the families of the, look, Canaanites, and they were spread abroad. Those were the peoples that populated Canaan land, named after their father, Canaan. You see? Mm -hmm. So it takes the mystery out of what the heck's going on there, and it just makes it simple. That's what this is all. That's what this is all about. That's why Yahweh Elohim told them when they go in there, these tribes are to be, you understand, be expunged. Get them out of there. Why? Because they're cursed and have no part with them and don't intermarry with them and don't worship their gods and don't go up to the groves with them.
and he's on the, sword, the seashore, and he's seen this beast rise up out of the sea. Right, Deb? Read, please. Having seven heads and ten horns. Oh, I'm sorry, Scott was reading. I was reading, yeah. <laughs> and upon his horns, ten crowns. And he's got seven heads. And upon his head, what? Ten crowns. Ten crowns. Now, listen. The beast represents this beast. Well, you got pagan Rome. You got this beast. Look, you got this beast. You've got these seven. How many crowns? Ten. See, having seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads. Ten which horns. are the seven hills of Rome. Now listen, I want to read to you. I don't know if I've done that here. I think I have. I'm going to do it again. Someone asked me to do this. The seven hills were the... See, I wish I had a blackboard, but I don't. The Capitoline. C-A-P-I-T-O-L-I-N-E. The Aventine. A-V-E-N-T-I-N-E. The Saline. C-A-E-L-I-A-N. The Esquiline. E S Q U I L I N E. The Palatine. P A L A T I N E. The Quirinal. Q U I R I N A A L. And the Viminal. V I M I N A L. Did I go too fast for anybody? If you want to see these afterwards, you can. You could see the spelling of them. Now, having seven heads, is that right? Now it's because Rome sits on seven hills. The seven heads represent seven hills. The seven hills of Rome, and have given you the names of those hills, and you can check those names for yourself, and you should check those names. Now continue to read, uh, Scott, please. Okay. Having seven heads and ten horns. Ten horns. Now hold on. Those ten horns represent ten kings. The ten kings that originally gave the Pope his power, or it was the dragon giving power unto the beast. You can read about that in Revelation. I, I don't remember exactly where it is. The dragon gave power unto the beast, or something to that effect, okay? But they were ten kings that the Pope had these ten kings that helped him be established 
and begin to have territory and money and armies and you understand and war with other peoples and I'm going to give you the names of those ten because they're not the names of kings but they're the names of tribes and those tribes had kings and those tribes ended up becoming countries the Franks F-R-A-N-K-S which later became part of France, much of France. Mm -hmm. The Lombards, we got a store in Syracuse, it's called Lombardi's. It's, <laughs> you go there and there's all kinds of great sausage and cheese and stuff hanging from the ceilings, right John? Yep. It's, a, it's, a, it's Northern Italy. Big, huge region in northern Italy. So that's, to this day, it's still northern Italy. The Visigoths, they were Spain. They were the Goths that were in the west. Visigoths. That's V-I-S-I-G-O-T-H-S. Then you had the Ostrogoths, O-S-T-R-O, Goths. They were the Eastern Goths, and they went and formed parts of Italy, parts of Eastern Europe, parts of Russia, parts of the Slavic nations. The Vandals, you've heard of vandalism, these guys, when they went somewhere, they just wrecked everything. That's where the word vandalism comes from. They ended up in North Africa. So the countries in North Africa, you know, like Libya and uh, Morocco and Tunisia, they ended up forming from some of these tribes. The Anglo-Saxons, you can all spell Anglo-Saxons, I hope. <laughs> they formed parts of Germany, and then they emigrated to England until they were conquered in England by the, uh, the French who came up from Northern France there, uh, uh, Normandy, in uh, 1200 and something, there was a big war in the Battle of Hastings and anyway, you can read about it. Battle of Hastings, okay? Google it. Google Anglo-Saxons. Google um, uh, what did I say, uh, the Northern French? 
Normandy? Normandy. Normandy. The Normans. The Normans invaded. Okay? The Huns, Eastern Europe, the Huns, well Attila was one of the big kings and at one time the, one of the popes had to go out and plead with Attila to spare Rome and he did. The Heruli, H-E-R-U-L-I. They ended up being parts of Eastern Europe and Scandinavia. The Suevi, S-U-E-V-I. And the Alemanni, A-L-E-M-A-N-N-I, formed Germany. And the Burgundians formed, you've heard of the wine, right? Burgundy? Comes from where? Burgundian. France. It comes from a part of France. They, they are still a part of France, okay? Burgundians. Those are the ten. Those are the ten horns. So these things that are written there, it's not so that you'll think everything is weird and mysterious and there's a reason for it. And it's all based in history and it's all stuff that can be checked. My wife helped me check all these things. So, where were we? Oh, we were reading in Revelations 13 chapter. never got out of the first verse. Well, we had explained the seven heads and ten horns. Yeah. That's, there's a reason why there's seven heads and ten horns. See? On these beasts. Yeah. It, go ahead and read. Okay, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns. And upon his heads, the ten name. crowns. Why? Because they became nations. Do you understand? Read. And upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. <laughs> and upon his heads, the name of what? Blasphemy. The name of blasphemy. Read. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. And his feet were as the feet of Wait, a bear. The beast I saw was like a leopard. Mm -hmm. Read. And his feet were as the feet of a bear. Oh, feet of a bear. And his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the mouth of a lion. Now this is John, way down there in the Isle of Patmos, hundreds and hundreds of years after Daniel. Way, way after Daniel. And he's talking about the same thing Daniel saw in his vision. Talking about the same beasts. 
right or wrong. I didn't make it up. I didn't put that in your book. Read. And the dragon gave him his power. And the dragon, there it is, gave him his power. Now who's the dragon? Satan. That's Satan. Gave him his power. And his seat and great authority. And great authority. Who? The Pope. Gave him great authority. The dragon. Look at him. Gave, look at the dragon. Gave him, you understand? Great authority. Read. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. That's good. I want to get Revelation 17 real quick. Start reading in one. Revelation 17 and one. And there came one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Now the, the great whore. This is the judgment of the great whore. You see her painted here? That's the great whore. And on Mitch's chart, he's got her painted on his charts. She's on the 40 plate chart, the great whore. And uh, here she is here, painted here. Painted there. I don't pick her up anywhere else, but go ahead and read. Um, come hither, I will show unto thee the judgment of the great whore that sitteth upon many waters. Upon many waters. What are, wait a minute, what are many waters? People. People. And you've seen those those films when the Pope would come out on the balcony and all those people are in St. Peter's Square or Mussolini would go out to speak with those people or Hitler would speak to those people you know at Berchtesgaden or those places and there'd be those just hundreds of thousands of people just captivated and they're like this you understand looks just like waves watch them watch those old films sometimes read with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication made drunk with the wine of her fornication, the inhabitants of the earth, Catholics, and from Catholics branching off, Protestants and evangelists and Presbyterians and, and Anglicans and all of them, and Judaism and Islam and all the religions of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And in Mitch's church, he's got a big chalice. 
just sitting there with a big chalice. And there she is. She's got the chalice. She's holding it. Yep. She's got that cup, that golden cup. See, and all these nations have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. What's the wine of her fornication? What is it? False doctrine. False doctrine. Lies. False doctrine. People are drunk with it. And people right now in school are drunk with it. Drunk with it. So drunk, they listen to something, they go, that's right, that's right, that's right. They don't check it, they don't, not anything. There's no research anymore, there's nothing. Read. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast. There you go. See? Full of names of blasphemy. Full of names of blasphemy. Having seven heads and ten horns. Seven heads, ten horns. Yep. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color. And purple and scarlet color. And decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. Yep. And now that's good. Now I want you to go to the 18th chapter and start reading in one. I know we're into a lot of stuff in Revelation here, but... Okay, Revelation 18 and 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven. Having now hold on before you read this. Let me tell you about this, this island. This small, small island of Motya, M-O-T-Y-A, off the western coast of Sicily.